0: Welcome to The Man Lab, where we combine science and health in the pursuit of making men great again. This is how legends are
1: born. This is how legends are born. I want to live younger for longer, just like the next guy. And when my friend in Australia told me 10 years ago about human growth hormone, I was hooked. I wanted to find out more information before I put it in my body, but it sounded incredible. Now, 10 years on, I live in America. I met with T Clinics and they told me to stay away from exogenous human growth hormone because of one major reason and instead focus on peptides. So in this episode, we're going to be talking with Alex Joseph from T Clinics about CJC-1295 mixed with Ipamorelin and how it helps people not only feel good but stay looking younger for longer because of this ability to promote human growth hormone production in the pituitary gland. Now, if you're wondering who I am, my name is Blake Doyle, I'm a personal trainer of 10 years back in Australia, and now I get the opportunity to ask some sometimes dumb questions to some very smart people to find out how to optimize not only my health and your health, but also money and business and anything else that's going to help me make myself and you guys a better man to serve the community. So let's get into the episode. So the first to start off, we want to go through what the human growth hormone is, how it operates in our body and how... Uh, sorry, why it is super important for our development, for us, for longevity, for optimizing the body. Um, So to start off with, human growth hormone, Alex, you can jump in whenever you want. Um, Human growth hormone is a naturally occurring hormone. Uh, It is a protein that is produced in the pituitary gland. Now that... Means nothing to most people. Doesn't mean to me. It's a part in your brain, <laughs> right? Um, and what happens is that is secreted during the first thirty to ninety minutes of our sleep. Ninety minutes if you're an absolute freak.
0: It's the most abundant in our body during that initial portion of sleep. Yes. Gotcha. But it's like always there, right? I mean, like we're yeah. always we're always producing growth hormone in our systems. Um, we have a higher output of it during the night while we sleep. This is why we get like a deeper night of, you know, deeper sleep, like REM sleep. Yeah, That's typically during that beginning phase of our sleep. So uh, usually when you're dreaming, your body's in REM sleep, and that's typically a sign of like their, your highest production of human growth hormone.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so if you've got a deeper sleep,
0: you'll have more uh, vivid dreams, is it? Correct. Really? Yeah. Yeah, if you ask your parents or an older person's listening like they typically don't remember their dreams as much and of course when you're younger you have very vivid dreams you can actually wake up and remember your dreams uh sometimes that's good sometimes it's bad but, <laughs> but so, so if so it's a, a lot zombie
1: of, apocalypse I'm all yeah way. i mean if you watch
0: like a younger person dream they like move around a lot and like they're actually having like what looks like at times a night you know mayor mm. or, or, or terror um, usually, babies, especially like their like eyelids are fluttering, and kids as you're in your teens, you know, you have these really, really deep, great quality sleep. And as you get older, um, one of the biggest complaints that we confront people post being thirty is you sleep like shit. You know, I mean, if you look at yeah. a teenager, I remember when I was like, you know, nineteen, twenty years old, I could sleep till noon. Now that I'm forty-four, if I could sleep till five thirty in the morning, that's like a miracle. <laughs> um, and, and if you ask anybody who's even older, their biggest complaint is lack of ability to sleep. Yeah. So, you know, that has other things to do than just the production of human growth hormone. Growth hormone is not, not the put you to sleep drug or hormone, I should say. But during that time of like quality of sleep is when your body produces the most. Yeah. And then, you know, in the morning you have less production, but you do have pulses of growth hormone throughout the day
1: okay gotcha so that okay but it's it's the predominant part is during our the, the sleep and I, that's why when uh, I mean babies have hyperactive pituitary glands compared to obviously adults and that's why they look so milky' soft skin hence the smoother than a baby's bottoms
0: uh, well you know as, as humans we, we we actually go through like two puberties we go through our original puberty when you're like you're actually as a baby during those like original like i think it's the first 6 to 12 months when you go from like a tiny little baby actually through that first growth spurt yeah and then your actual second puberty is like when you get your sex hormones which is in your early teens um but but the production of human growth hormone peaks generally around your second puberty like when you are already in your early teens um, So like you're 16 17 16 17 when you really grow taller and your bone density gets really kind of dense and kind of uh, feet grow a lot, you know, you go through those those exponential growth rates and then um, from there it kind of declines and it continues to decline all the way until you die off. So um, if you look at your growth hormone levels when you're 17, 18, you know, somebody may have like a level of like 700, for example, where someone my age, you know, in the early 40s, generally it's like a 150, mm. 170, optimized someone who's on a peptide or growth hormone we'd like to see in the high 200 range Someone in their 60s could be in the low 100 range, so those numbers, as you're seeing, are like exponentially less. Gotcha. And, and that's so- an IGF-1 level, by the way, which is, which stands for insulin-like growth factor one. Human growth hormones produced at the pituitary gland when it goes through the liver, that's when it comes out as IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor. Um, which is actually like, like the usable part of it. So it has to actually go through your liver to turn in what your body actually can use.
1: I was surprised when I was doing my own little research that it's like, I mean, we always think about keeping young. We just think about, I guess, the, the visual component, which is what we can see. So like skin, muscle, whatever it is. Yeah. But it was like even bone density, human growth hormone's responsible for that. And obviously as you get older, if your bones get frail, your muscles get frail, like everything's yep. frail. So the importance of keeping that hu- human growth hormone active is comes down to making sure the hypothalamus is notifying the uh, pituitary gland so that we're pushing it out. Right. Um, and so before we get into CJC twelve ninety five and um there are a bunch of options that you can do naturally to bring it up right. uh, to or not increase your human growth hormone, but definitely. Um, help the pituitary glands stay active because i think when we you our body has the rule of if you don't use it you'll lose it everything's everything's a trained muscle or trained technique that um things like synthetic human growth hormone which we'll touch on they don't help train itself. So then it doesn't keep itself active. Yeah, they actually becomes a little All right, guys, we need to talk about your peepee. And I'm not talking about some sort of pill that's going to make the blood flow into it. I'm talking about your hormones that will impact your testosterone level. If you find that your sex drive is down, you're finding that you don't want to smash, you'd rather go to sleep, you're not motivated to go out and get it. It might be an indication that you're low on your testosterone. But the cool thing is there are plenty of ways to help improve that. But that's just getting ahead of ourselves. The first thing we want to find out is: Do you have low testosterone? And for this, there is a free test called the Adam Test. This Adam Test asks a couple of lifestyle questions. It takes no longer than 60 seconds to complete, and it's free. So you really have no reason to not do it if you have a few questions or concerns. Now, to do this test, all you got to do is go to bitly forward slash free Adam Test. That is b i t dot L-Y forward slash free atom test. If you don't wanna remember that, the link will be in the description of this video or audio. Now let's get back to the show.
0: When you're taking exogenous growth hormone, which means exogenous is like anything from the outside, a hormone that's from the outside being put into the body to mimic like your natural production, that's an exogenous hormone. So when you're using exogenous human growth hormone, you're telling your body that this hormone is present and that it's telling your system not to make more of it. So we have like a checks and balance system that goes on in our body. And you know there's essentially this um, system analysis that analyzes, is there enough growth hormone here or not? And if they f- if the body senses there's plenty present already, it sends what's called a negative feedback or, or it does what's a negative feedback, which is basically telling the pituitary gland to not produce anymore, mm. right? So, so eventually it becomes dependent on this exogenous growth hormone. And over time, you can become dependent on using this medication, rather than your body being able to produce it all on its own. And that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why peptides, which we haven't even touched on just yet, or these other products you're talking about naturally, are the direction you want to go in before having to go with regular growth hormone. So essentially, yeah. you know, if you get to the point where you're using exogenous growth hormone, you've kind of accepted the fact that you're not willing to let your body produce it anymore and that you're going to be required to get it from this outside source. Yeah, And it's not as, um, as shut downing effect as like testosterone is. Like when you guys take testosterone, you essentially turn off your balls and like it's no longer being produced and you become 100% dependent on it. Growth hormone to some degree isn't as sensitive to that, but definitely has the negative feedback. And so when you start off of it, let's say you have like a, like a moderate level to begin with, but you really want these excellent levels. And then for whatever reason, you can't afford it, can't find it, decide to want to stop it. When you stop taking, you'll be worse off than you had been had you never started to begin with, mm. and that's on like using an exogenous growth hormone. Yeah. So again, like that's typically and it's more, expensive more expensive than peptides too, which yeah. is quite ironic. Way more. So most of the time, if it's black market, it's it's it is counterfeit. Yeah. Um, potentially, it's fake. So, you know, or it's made in China with like some heavy metals and byproducts that can be quite dangerous. Yeah. Or it's it's
1: not regulated at all, is it? The
0: human growth hormone or these, the synthetic.
1: These, version of it no
0: of course very much regulated but they're going to be made by big pharma only so years and years and years ago they stopped compound pharmacies or generics from being made in the growth hormone world uh growth hormones technically called somatropin and there was a point in which you could you could compound it just like any of these other drugs for a lot less expensive and in like around 2010 maybe a little bit earlier than that maybe 2008 or somewhere somewhere around there um they passed a law that said basically only big name brand companies like pfizer and you know, these different companies could make Genotropin and Nordotropin and Omnitrope, these different brand name products, which are extremely expensive. Mm. Um, so, obviously, like the black market took off. And in doing so, you know, some's good, some's bad. And then yeah. the quality of it being what it's supposed to be is questionable. And growth hormone is a very fragile product. So, if it's not kept correctly or tra- you know, transported correctly, um, you could be buying something that was real, but now is basically a dud. Uh, you know, 'Cause it wasn't kept refrigerated yeah. or wasn't stored correctly or expired. So it may look as it's supposed to and smell as it's supposed to and the box is correct. But and at vacant, one point basically. it was legit, but now you're buying some some basically shit that doesn't work. So yeah. yeah.
1: So there really is no real
0: Yeah. Um, there's no guarantee when you buy black market stuff, it is what it is. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. For sure. And so
1: is there, um we'll come back to the natural ways to to um stimulate the pituitary gland, but on the point of the synthetic version, is there ever a point, like with TRT, you can have it, like you recommend it when it's you no know, longer, typically want kids or if it's the last resort for a lot of people trying to increase I mean, their testosterone. Listen, there's a
0: lot of people who are prescribed growth hormone for a lot of valid reasons. Yeah, um, Usually in our business where people come to us for like wellness and anti-aging reasons, it's usually not first line of defense, like our first line of defense is to try to maximize your production with different peptides. And because the world of peptides has become so kind of widespread and and better quality peptides are available, the idea that they don't work or won't work for you nowadays is almost like very low probability. Mm. So, you should be guided towards using a peptide and seeing if the results are significant enough to you know to, to warrant using it, regardless of the price, right? So even if you have all the money in the world, and the doctor said, "Well, you know, you have these choices, to me, I feel like the best foot forward, the best kind of point of attack initially, just because something's more expensive doesn't necessarily mean it's better. That's like a misnomer. People always oh, yeah. think like, "Well, it's two thousand dollars a month, therefore, like the results should be amazing. That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes peptides have a better result because they're stimulating your body's natural production. So you're getting like this like throttled amount that like your body understands. It doesn't have the byproduct issues. Um, and ultimately like the results can be significant, if not better than even taking growth hormone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fool. I'm sorry. That was a lot. <laughs> you, you're
1: very, sometimes you rattle out information. I'm like, holy shit, I'm gonna have to listen to this episode. We, <laughs> we may have jumped over the question and came back around yeah. it somewhere in the middle there. Um, all right. Let's circle back as I told you guys we were going to go over the natural ways that you can get um, your pituitary gland more active. Now, there is sleep hygiene is the most important. Now, I've only just tapped on this in the last couple of months. Um, And granted as well, guys, like when we go into the peptides, uh, you're gonna hear about what my results were. And I was doing all the stuff I'm about to list and then took the peptides. Now, the sleep hygiene, again, you've mentioned and we've covered that when you're in the first section of your sleep is where you get the most potent amount of um, human growth hormone released into the system. So you wanna make sure that you're getting a good quality sleep. Now that can be minimizing the amount you watch television, watch your phones before you go to sleep because it's gonna, if you're highly stimulated going into sleep, it's going to diminish the quality which is gonna then also diminish the quality of um, your deep sleep so that you can't get as much human growth hormone put out. Uh, also making sure that it is at least, this is m- m- what I've heard from other people, you want four to five REM cycles, which is an hour and a half. So- yeah. I'm a little bit of a nerd with that shit. You may
0: know that one better than me. <laughs> I do know there's multiple REM cycles in a typical night of sleep. Therefore, that's why you have multiple dreams. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how many by definition so you should have. So I've
1: been, I've been cross referencing This is just me and what I've had from other trainers and um, other scientists that I've speak, spoken to and just in passing. So it's not like this isn't gospel, but this is what I've found has worked for me with a lot of split testing is the first 45 minutes is a shallow sleep, 45 minutes and is the deep sleep and it goes on that cycle typically. And so what I've found is if I set my alarm for either six hours and 20 minutes, so I've had full four cycles and then a, I'm in my shallow uh, shallow REM, I can get up a lot easier because I'm in my shallow part. Then if I do it for five, so I do seven and a half hours and I add 15, 20 minutes, so I set my alarm for seven hours and 45, I can get up a lot easier.
0: Now, I mean, there's other factors to consider though. Like if you have sleep apnea or something, where you never really fall into deep sleep, like those people sleep are too. basically being interrupted. Someone snores, obviously, like that's gonna like dif- make that sleep pattern difficult. If you drink alcohol prior to sleep, that will interrupt with that cycle. Yeah. Um, well, don't drink alcohol every night, guys. Right. Yeah. Probably so don't. Drink- sure.
1: That's probably another thing that will fuck up your hormones for so. <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: And quality <laughs> sleep. Yeah, I think there's a lot of sleep optimization and probably to a point we should have a whole show just on it yeah and there's so many biohacks nowadays that like we all know we should do and i think there's a lot of things that we currently do that we would all could probably say i need to fix this about myself mm-hmm. like I for one like the phone issue is something that i know i do and like i just got to stop doing it like just like put it in the other room but yet i still sleep with it next to my bed um the blue light thing the sleeping with nose strips on yeah the mouth tape on it's like so you know all these different things are Creating this ideal environment to sleep better, um, trying not to rely on you know sleep drugs, but yet like more natural things like melatonin and GABA, um, and now peptides of course is going to like drastically improve the quality of your sleep. Yeah, yeah, it does. Go on to that in a second.
1: Um, lifting weights is the other one. So you want to make sure you're lifting weights. Now, um, correct me in this part, but it's more again like with a muscle, uh, and like anything else, if you're if you're micro damaging your body, it's gonna then send signals to tell it like, hey, we need to repair faster and like that. It's always gonna be training you by micro damaging through lifting weights, it's gonna be constantly telling the hypothalamus to tell the pituitary gland, hey, go and send you're this stuff needed. out. You're yeah, still needed. The body yeah, still tells it. You still it. need to be doing this. Yes. Whereas if you're lazy, you're not telling it anything. You're not giving it those signals and you're not saying, hey, work, that when you do get injured, it can't work as 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 effectively because it hasn't been pre-trained day to day. Yeah, yeah, I think there's some
0: some truth in that. I don't yeah. know exactly like to what degree um, traditional kind of moderate exercise would stimulate growth hormone, but I do know things that are more extreme styles of training, like obviously like deadlifts and you know heavier bench press and whatnot. They do trigger the body's response, you know, from 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 a higher output of growth hormone. So. Um, yeah, tra- weight training, sports, athleticism, anything that's going to cause the body the need to repair from like exercise will definitely stimulate the you know the production. And the other one is uh, nutrition.
1: So um, I did some of my own research on this one because it was fascinating to me. So it was nutrition in the form of intermittent fasting. So when we uh, are intermittent fasting, it will decrease our insulin, which allows uh, basically for... The water and excess salt in our kidneys to be uh, excreted and processed, and what happens is it just it. They've noticed that in a couple of studies that in the first five days of fasting, uh, for a prolonged amount of time, HGH production has more than doubled in their in their case studies, which was going to help your producing muscle and bone maintenance, which. I found it fascinating.
0: Yeah, so there's definitely an effect of when your body produces insulin, it de- uh, decreases how much IGF-1 is found. Mm-hmm. That's another thing we'll talk about with peptides as we get into it, but how and where you wanna use that in your like daily cycle. Um, you wanna use them when you have very little food present, and if you're going to have food present, lower insulin-producing foods is ideal. So like once you introduce sugar, and anything else that like stimulates your pancreas to secrete insulin, you're going to definitely decrease the volume and the, quant- the quantity of growth hormone found. Um, so I would assume, you know, that would go for fasting as well because when you're fasting, you're, you're, your fasting blood sugar is level, level is low. Um, and obviously like a ketogenic style diet or like a low glycemic index food diet would definitely improve your growth hormone.
1: Mm. So having, having high, when you spike your insulin levels from having sugar, high carbs,
0: that higher glycemic food index are going to essentially kind of like HGH. it's basically the water on the fire right it's it's the thing that kind of turns down the quality of the growth hormone production yeah so oftentimes we'll get people on peptides or even growth hormone and their levels won't register very well they'll, they'll check their igf1 and meanwhile they're having like a high food high sugar food you know in the mornings prior to blood tests and they'll wonder why their growth hormone levels are dropped. Mm. Meanwhile, then the next time they do it, they do it fasting and they'll maintain being higher. So there's a 100% correlation that when you introduce higher sugar, higher glycemic food indexes um, to to your system, you're going to suppress your growth hormone levels.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because would that be anything? um, So whenever people, I know when friends of mine fast for a little bit, they're like, dude, I'm like so awake. Is there any sort of, or oh, is even just while we're awake, is it producing more human growth hormone or is that a different uh, side effect yeah, I think fasting? it's a different
0: side effect because I mean, as far as I kind of think that correlation, like growth hormone to me would actually make me more arguably tired because that's like something that's happening while you're in your quality of sleep pattern. I don't know if having an elevated growth hormone level equals like a buzzing energy to a point that mm-hmm. fasting without the volatility of blood sugar Gives you that kind of buzzing feeling. I mean, imagine, I mean, this is not do with hormone, but like when, if we just eat lunch and you have rice at lunch, you're tired, right? Yeah. But like if you Good just have protein. So you have protein, you, you find that your energy does not change. So oftentimes, like for me, I won't eat carbs during the day and not so much because of the soul dieting impact on me but i just feel tired and groggy once i do yeah so if i just have protein and vegetables i feel like man i'm fine you know but give me a bowl of pasta or rice man i'm taking a nap (laughs) so yeah yeah it is funny like that that's how i've accidentally stumbled on
1: carnivore diet you feel so much better just by feeling myself and i have no opinion like look you can do whatever you want to do but by accident i was just like oh if i have a carb heavy breakfast i'm tired in the morning so all right let's just take that out for a second i don't eat it all now um, I just have water, but then it was lunchtime. You know, I go have lunch. I'd have like a good old Moe's burrito, love them, and then but beat up tired from it. You know, I was like, I'd, I'd have my 3.00 PM crash Yeah, and you know, now my wife's cooking for me and it's just like steak and cheese basically yeah, and you some feel, fruit and, you feel good. and I'm, it's like, I'm having Red Bulls and coffee, yeah. but I'm having zero caffeine. So it was quite an interesting accident that I was like, yeah, became the carnivore diet and I was not yeah, that when we do a It's like that's <laughs> a
0: big complaint that people always talk about is they think that they need carbs to provide them energy and they're wondering why after they eat carbs they have no energy. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like, it is
1: weird. Yeah. And that's because of the spike of the insulin, is that's, it? Yeah, of course. The blood yeah.
0: sugar jumps up and then it crashes down and with that crash down, you feel tired. Yeah. So that, as far as growth hormone's concerned, is the catalyst to the kind of declining growth hormone. Gotcha, okay. So usually like if you take a peptide at night, right, and your growth hormone levels are really high, and then you wake up in the morning and most people have a morning breakfast or a coffee uh-huh. with sugar, they're kind of extinguishing that growth hormone level quite quick. Yeah, oh, cause it's is, produced
1: also when we wake up, correct? Well, like a it's, little bit. It's,
0: your growth hormone levels are, are, are kind of tailing off at that point, but you can make them kind of carry forward to some degree without crashing as low if you don't eat. Mm. So like an intermittent fasting dieter, like we kind of touched on earlier, is going to have a higher growth hormone value in the morning rather than somebody who has pancakes. Yeah. You know, because that person is going to crash and their levels are going to you know, crash with it.
1: Interesting. Sweet. I accidentally am doing the right thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So synthetic uh, androgynous human growth hormone. Is an external force exogenous. Uh, exogenous. So many different words. I'm still yep. learning here. And Ex- then endogenous is what you produce internally. So. Okay. Exogenous. Exogenous. Endogenous. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> um, so exogenous human growth hormone basically makes the pituitary gland sedentary in
0: a way across time. It feels like it's out of a job. You know, it's like, yeah. where's where this? Where's this? Where's this coming from? Like, did you hire somebody else to do my job? <laughs> and then it's like, screw it. I'm going to take a break, and then not, let me know when you're ready for me. And eventually nobody knocks on his door and says, get back to work. You know? yeah. and, um, the pituitary gland can wake back up you know, and it's not gonna be like knocked out forever. And to a point, that's what peptides actually do. Peptides are actually like tasking the pituitary gland to do its job better. Yeah. So there are people because there who are, the actually integrate...
1: Growth releasing hormone, correct? Right, yeah, so, yeah,
0: so a peptide is like a way to stimulate the pituitary gland to produce more of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're not at that point in this interview just yet, but when no, we get No, we are there, now. Okay, We're tapping cool. right, right now. Right We're ready.
1: Because <laughs> um, that's, that's what fascinated me when I was chatting to you guys on my um, podcast that really broke like a lot of things that I thought I knew, which was the fact that it stimulates. It's a human growth-releasing hormone, so it stimulates the pituitary gland. Well, the,
0: Yeah, so, so the peptide itself doesn't really do anything. Uh-huh. The peptide itself is a messenger signal to tell your body to do something in return. The hypothalamus is kind of the um, messenger to the factory that produces growth hormone. So consider the hypothalamus as being the operator of the factory and the factory that produces the growth hormone is the pituitary. The operator kind of pushes the button that tells the factory to make it a certain amount of times within a certain quantity of, you know, a certain volume per, per, mm-hmm. per time it does it what a peptide is essentially doing is it's maximizing that worker of the factory to do his signaling more frequent with a higher production volume mm-hmm. so it's essentially asking the factory to get to work more and produce more so it's imagine like the guy like turns up the volume and says like make more of this stuff Um, And that's what the pituitary has to do in response to the the signal that it receives, which is what the peptide is. And one
1: thing that I found interesting in um, the research was um, what peptides do differently also uh, as compared to the exogenous was that um, when the body releases it naturally, it goes across a prolonged time. Whereas when you're having the exogenous one, it's more of a, a spike and then a crash. So like it Correct. comes into the body, gets processed, gets yeah. put back out.
0: The half-life of that drug is short. So yes. you take a shot of growth hormone, call it 90 minutes. You get this whopping you know, hit for 90 minutes and then it crashes off. But in that 90 minute, it told your pituitary gland to like no longer do its job. When 90 minutes is over, it's taken a break. No one's yeah. come back to him and saying make more of it. So like we're naturally your body's producing it kind of on call, right? So. Yeah. You go to work out. You go to sleep. Like you get injured. Like there's this like kind of idea that this factory is being signaled to make a little bit more here and a little bit more there. But again, if you're on exogenous growth hormone, you don't get the benefit of that um, kind of uh, frequency of production that actually happens.
1: Yeah, I'm always trying to find out how to make the body, I guess, accelerate or I mean, expand or maximize what it's already doing. And so the thing that was very enticing about (sighs) the peptides, the CJC 1295 with epimoralin was that it comes in and just increases what the body's already doing. So it matches it as well, versus uh, something where the, it's just not natural to the body, like
0: a, a hard spike. Like yeah. We never really experience a hard spike. You, no, we don't get a hard spike. We have times, like we said at sleep, that you're gonna get a higher output than you would at times like in the middle of the day. So the wave is obviously like not consistent. Yeah. You don't get this. Kind of situation of growth hormone production. To kind of clarify, those are there are two different products. When you talk about CJC one two nine five, is one growth hormone releasing peptide, and then there's Ipamorelin, which is another growth hormone releasing peptide. Technically, CJC one two nine five is a growth hormone releasing hormone, where Ipamorelin is a CJ is a growth hormone releasing peptide. But for conversation purposes, we'll we'll consider them both peptides. Um, they combine these two into what's considered like an ideal blend, they consider this like a dual, what we actually call it dual blend, but these two complement each other quite well. And the reason why they complement each other is because the timing of each one. Mm. So Ipamorlin has this great front end benefit. Like when you take the shot, it instantly, almost within minutes of hitting your system, you get this maximum production of growth hormone um, from the pituitary and it lasts several hours. I think it's like 3 4 hours uh, and then basically it's gone and then and then th- theoretically you're you know kind of going back to your natural production the CJC 1295 although it doesn't have such a dramatic punch on the front end it has a more prolonged benefit over a long period of time so call it 20 hours well if we have a 24 hour day and you have something now that has this dramatic spike with like this tremendous output for 4 hours And then the secondary benefit is like the remaining portion of the day. That combination gives you like a really great even distribution, mimicking similar to what our bodies produce, as far as like more in the front end and like a little bit less on the back end. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't have the CJC1295 in that, you would have this like great jump in the front and then a more dramatic drop, right? So, So, when they do combine these two peptides, they consider how to like maximize the output for like the entire day's benefit because although, yes, it makes you sleep better. It also makes you metabolize fat better. It makes you like maintain lean muscle mass better. It helps improve your skin quality better. And so I would rather those benefits kind of carry forward throughout my whole day versus just getting the benefit-wise sleep. And that's yeah. the purpose of why we do these combination ones.
1: Yeah. And um, so we what is um, like the peptide structure for some of the, the geeks, like I'm learning all this stuff, so I'm getting geeked out about it. We hear peptides, but I mean, I know that there's different lengths and everything else, but what, what is like the, what makes it so fascinating for people? Cause like there's long ones and then there's short peptides. What is all that jazz if we can go into that nerdy stuff?
0: Okay, so peptides are amino acids or a string of amino acids that are mm. up to a certain amount of amino acids long. Okay? Yeah. So when they break a certain length, they turn into different categories. Actually over 99 amino acids long turns into what's called the biologic. Real human growth hormones, 191 branch chain amino acid strain. So it's considered like this long.
1: Mm.
0: Peptides can be as short as 16 molecules long or 33 or 29 or 44. So they're kind of like a snippet of that long molecule that has a particular message within it. okay. Um, Not to say they're all going to not carry over into some of the other fragments of itself, but to be considered a peptide, they have to have a particular length that's more short. Mm -hmm. And because the shortness of it, it only does such um, a refined message, it's a little bit more of like a targeted approach. If you have something that's longer by message, then you run the risk of having a little bit more of a sloppier um, kind of result, right? So you know, this pituitary gland of ours does more than just produce growth hormone. It produces sex hormones, it produces cortisol, it produces FSH, LH, women, estradiol. Um, and so, you know, you end up getting this potential stimulation of other hormones when you use some of the more older versions of peptides as well. And you have to be careful because like we produce a hormone called prolactin, which Mm -hmm. is the hormone that makes women's breast lactate or actually makes us as men, our penises go down after we ejaculate, right? So so now imagine you're taking a (laughs) peptide to be able to look better and feel better. And you're stimulating the thing that makes your sex drive drop off when your erections go away. Mm. That's not what I want in a peptide. So I don't want to stimulate my prolactin. I don't, definitely don't want to have, you know, breast milk coming out of my boobs. So <laughs> like, that's something I want to avoid. Um, I is don't want to Is that possible? Have, it is, it actually is, Really, man. We can man. milk? Of course, yeah. Holy Haven't shit. have you seen the Fockers, man? You can milk anything. Holy shit. So I can help <laughs> no. my wife out if she gets tired. No, for real, guys do have lactating issues when their prolactin levels get really high. Holy! Um, they get gynecomastia, which is like the formation of breast tissue. If their prolactin levels are too high, they actually have like lactose and milk secretion. So
1: Man. it can
0: happen. Um, so men can yeah.
1: get pregnant. I'm kidding. <laughs> no,
0: yeah. Men can milk. I don't, men I'm men not gonna say milk, can get and pregnant. Bed, right? yeah. <laughs> um, but there's other shitty side effects, like, Making you know, men like that stimulation again. of breast tissue can happen from like the stimulation of a peptide, one of the older versions of peptides that inadvertently stimulating like estradiol production or cortisol production, which is a stress hormone, you don't want to stimulate that either. So, yeah, Ipamorelin is like this really great kind of gold standard peptide because it's very much focused and it only targets and hits the receptor site that it's supposed to, gets great human growth hormone production and almost no other byproduct from it. So, mm. it's a very much more like second and third generation drug. Yeah, because
1: um, CJC, um, that's the second generation, was it? What was the first Just one? So was like semerelin. the first
0: one. Um, and that
1: increased everybody cortisol Everybody kind of like stuff. in
0: our industry or anybody who's ever done research calls and like, I've heard mm-hmm. semerelin or semerelin and that's the one I want. And, f- and first off, because semerelin was an FDA approved peptide, okay? Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks that all of a sudden gives us this, this great accolade. Yeah. <laughs> but really what semerelin was designed to do was to design if your pituitary gland was capable of being stimulated or not. So if you were applying to get human growth hormone prescription, right? And a growth hormone prescription could be thousands of dollars a month because you say your pituitary gland does not work and you have shitty growth hormone levels. They would do what's considered like an arginine test or a ghrelin stimulating test, which is like what semerelin is. It would stimulate the pituitary gland and they would measure growth hormone levels before and immediately after the shot. And they're like, oh shit, like your growth hormone levels jumped up. Therefore your, your pituitary is not broken. It's just like not being stimulated accordingly. And like, you don't need to be prescribed growth hormone. So they took this like knowledge and they said, well, if that's the case, why don't we just sell this stuff? And it's like fixing people. Mm. But the reality is, is that the half-life of Semerone is super short, it's like 30, 40 minutes. So arguably, <laughs> yes, you take this shot, you get this great output of growth hormone for 30, 40 minutes, and then it's gone. Well, that never really gets translated to the sales pitch. Of course not. <laughs> so then, you know, years go by, of course, and people are saying, yeah, if it's if it's doable, like let's find a way to just, like make this doable over a longer period of time, and something that's actually going to see results from. I'm not saying summerlin is not and doesn't work. I personally would never like go to it first because, again, the argument is that yes, it stimulates growth hormone, but for such a short period of time, how much? Yeah benefit can you really expect to get from something that it's only optimizing your production for a half hour, or yeah. 40 minutes. And it's not mimicking what the
1: body does naturally anyway. Well, which it, has a what sli- we it has
0: a sloppier stimulation probability because it's not so focused. And again, it's like very, very short. So it's just stimulating your body to produce more growth hormone like Ipamorlin does. Yeah. But for that short win- window of time and there's potentially other you know, hormones being affected. So yeah. that's generation one. That was like 20 years ago or so um but yes it is fda approved because it had this like you know necessity in medicine yeah cjc1295 um by the way the cjc letter kind of is like the short for the for the laboratory that actually created this drug. In the that's United. where it was.
1: From. I was trying to find yeah, it I out. don't know
0: exactly the, um, if you ask me the name. I think name, I wrote it down I, here I, I wouldn't would be able to tell you, but it is, it's the name of the laboratory. So I guess, that's it. where it came from. Yeah, the this, this ah. CDC means nothing more than the initials of the lab. The 1295 <laughs> happened to just be like that particular um, experiment number in like their attempt to to do create something that worked, right? So mm. it was the laboratory. They landed on this at the 1,295th time. So those numbers don't really mean anything. Um, but anyway, so, so it was a second or third generation of the original growth hormone releasing hormone, and they realized, sure, this had a high probability of like long-term stimulation of growth hormone. Um, then they refined it, added another um, what's called DAC, which kind of elongates the benefit over a very long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the problem with that though is people had a lot of side effects to it and like allergen issues and allergy reactions to it, so they found a lot of intolerances to it. So yeah. oftentimes, and what is DAC? Ah, oh, shit, man. The 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 initials. Um, I think because uh, I've, I've, I've in it's the, just in the a research, it's it it's, like, it's, it's kind it? of like a not necessarily an ester, but it's a way to take the medication, the CJC one two nine five and elongate its half-life over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. And you would say, well, that sounds great, right? Because this whole concept of like, I don't want diminishing growth hormone levels, but a very high percentage of people who would use it would get allergy problems from it and like get mm-hmm. really bad hive itchies, you know, itchy skin from it, um, swelling, you know, welts, anaphylactic reactions. So by taking out the DAC, you, know, you got rid of this high probability of allergy issues. But I'll tell you, even people still have allergy problems to CJC one two nine five more than I think. You know, I'm comfortable like saying that it's not extremely low and unprobable. So if there's anybody here that's ever used it or watching this, and they were like, "Yeah, I got really red from it," or "I got what looked like you know, know, like a welt from it," um, it's your body telling you that you're just having an allergen issue to it. Mm Ipamoralin, really low probability of that happening. CJC on 1295, it tends to be a little higher, so. And so if what are some
1: of the allergies that you see happen, or what are the allergic reactions that happen to CJC 1295? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly
0: site reaction. Like, at the injection site, it becomes what looks like initially a little bug bite, then it looks like a wasp bite, then it looks mm. like a hives. I've seen people, if they shoot it here on this side into their belly fat, because you have to do it subcutaneous, which is into the fat, They get what looks like, you know, kind of blotchy red, almost like um, poison ivy rashes around the injection Mm. site. And what will eventually happen, and and this always happens over a kind of a a several week time frame. And believe me, people generally who start peptides, they want to stay on them. And they're like in almost (laughs) some denial. They're like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm (laughs) I'm fine. You know, this itchy, I can deal with it. And you'll see them like just sitting there scratching. Yeah. And eventually the body will build up an anaphylactic reaction. And I've seen people get to a point where they like literally take a shot in their throat, throat will close up on them. Oh shit. And I have to tell those people that unfortunately this combo drug is not right for you anymore, but then they can just do generally regular Ipamorlin. Mm-hmm. You're getting like the star player in the combo still. You're just not getting like the secondary portion. So it's not yeah. like you get a total, you know, Shitty replacement, you just it's just not as good of a replacement. So, if you ever have to get kind of taken off, it's not like the worst, the worst thing in the world, yeah. there's there's a workaround, yeah, it is
1: okay. And so, really, the star in it is Ipamorlin for sure, yeah. And that, and even
0: to a point where people always say CJC 1295 Ipamorlin, I think it's alphabetical, we just happen to say (laughs) that, but it is Ipamorlin and then CJC 1295 when you look at the ingredient list, yeah. Because I didn't even know
1: when I was. I didn't realize that Ipamorlin was even in it until like yeah two. because you see the CJ because I just see CJC end, and, and it's like Easy to
0: remember as letters it sounds kind of cool like you know
1: and Ipamoralin, I mean I still got it wrong up until this morning when I was yeah. like how do People, I say Ipemoralen, it
0: again Ipamoralin, but yeah Ipamorlin is is for the most part doing the heavy lifting yeah and, okay and the the CJC is kind of the secondary part that carries forward and. and keeps a little of that benefit going into the, the remaining part of the hours. I've, on the on the
1: internet, there's so many different ways to take it. Some say daily, some say five slash two, five, one week on, one week off. Yeah. Is there a design, like is there a right answer or is it just?
0: You know, I went to a peptide conference a few years ago and it was a debate amongst like some very smart physicians who were standing there. And you know, it's funny because these guys I would say chances are they haven't even tried this medication and yet they study it and they know about it. So I'm gonna start with me as a personal user and then I'll go to as a clinic owner, like what I've seen and the rationale behind it. And then obviously I'll tell you what like, you know, those doctors would tell you. I think when you look at it as a personal user, you're getting this great sleep while you're using it, right? So do I wanna have great sleep five nights a week and shitty sleep the other two? Personally, no, right? So I want I wanna use it every night the advancements that you're looking to get out of it as far as losing body fat, increasing lean muscle mass, for most people, you want to have this optimization happening every single day. There is no negative feedback on the pituitary that's telling the pituitary gland to not produce growth hormone because it's being stimulated to a point you're retraining it to actually work more and harder. Mm. So from a user standpoint, like I always thought it was best to use it seven, you know, seven nights a week. From like a clinic standard, I think people are comfortable with this idea of six days on, one day off. Because yeah. most people on the weekends go out drinking or they go out of town, and maybe the idea of taking a shot at night isn't gonna fit into their schedule, makes it a little bit more affordable, obviously, because you cut out one dose every six, you know, every seven days, seven seven days. So like, you know, arguably it takes out, you know, that percentage. Yeah. So um, because there's not a negative feedback that's happening and no requirement of shutting down but yet you're letting somebody have a little bit of like a like a physical break and kind it's a night off without worrying about it. You know, we tell people 7 days on or you could take a day off with like no major disruption. But these doctors, you know, who kind of were were debating it were arguing that by going on it you're kind of Creating this need for that stimulation in the hypothalamus; Mm. otherwise, it wouldn't naturally respond to produce on its own.
1: That was my next question. And the doctor
0: that I went to see, the guy that was like really the peptide guru, there just said that's absolutely false, and that you know the 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 hypothalamus wasn't being bypassed; it was just mimicking the hypothalamus's signal. The pituitary gland Mm. was still responding to the hypothalamus's signal it was just responding as well to the, the peptide signal. Yeah. So I I think that there's, you know, kind of going to hear different schools of thought from different practitioners and obviously follow what your doctor tells you. But if you ask me, what do I do? I do it seven nights a week. Because it's stimulating the hypothalamus. Where is that stimulating? It's not stimulating the hypothalamus, it's stimulating the
1: pituitary. Oh, pituitary. It's mimicking the hypothalamus's signal. Gotcha. And so is that, like a secondary thing coming in, is that gonna affect the pituitary again later if you came
0: off like it? Like almost burning it out. He, it's not like jumpstarting your car battery. Yeah. It's like you did it over and over and over again you're gonna fry your battery. Um, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, your body's quite tolerant of that, ask of me and I'll produce more response. And if I can't produce more, I simply won't. Um, you're not supercharging your body to like output something that's uncomfortable it, it kind of has this throttling effect it's only willing to produce what it can to the point of like theoretically maximum output yeah and that's kind of the safeguard that peptides have is that unlike an exogenous growth hormone if i put three or four i use into an into a needle and shot that in my body there's no way for my body to stop me from having injected that short of me not pushing my thumb right but once it's in it's in yeah with a peptide whether you pull 10 units 20 units 30 units 50 units there's only so much stimulation that is possible and so therefore there's only so much that will be produced and like it's very much controlled so the safety side of it makes it way more safe that way because the body has a checks and balance and it's not going to let you produce this dangerous amount that's abnormal for your system above and beyond like What's considered ideal? Gotcha. And so when
1: you come back, like say say you ran out of money, you can't do it. You you just go back
0: to the stimulation. I've actually seen people who come off and we recheck their growth hormone level, call it three months, six months after, and their levels after are better than prior to getting started. And I think that has to do with the either a there's like a regenerating property to the growth hormone to the pituitary, like it regenerated it, or it retrained it to have that more frequent. Stimulation aspect, but yeah. regardless, the after effect of having used it was positive versus having like a negative impact on it. And so the the
1: optimal time to take the um, CJC with the ipamorelin is fifteen minutes or so before you go to sleep. When you're fasting. When you're fasting, yeah. yeah. So because that's one thing I've been trying to. I mean, and it's hard because two nights night ago I had heater. I ate super late and I was like I actually decided not to have it because I was like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we did some Tim Tam slams, you know <laughs> them, you love them. Yep. But um, we'd done a couple of Tim Tam slams and because it had sugar... I was like, "Oh, my insulin is up," and so I chose not to have I it. Mean, it's that still gonna—it's
0: still gonna provide a benefit. So, so in yeah. the event that you happen to do a Tim Tam slam tonight and They're you're contemplating, good, right? they are pretty <laughs> good, right? But you're contemplating because this will help you fight off that Tim you know, going get, get a leaner front. <laughs> but yeah, if you're contemplating, should I shouldn't do it? I mean, it's still gonna work. It just w- would have worked better had the Tim Tam not been present. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Tim Tams are these chocolates that he introduced us to that are pretty fire. But
1: oh, it's on the—it's on the other episode, guys. Yeah, yeah. The boys are only episode. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, so in the event that you happen to have sugar prior to going to bed, or you get a craving after you take your shot, it's still going to be beneficial. It just would have been better had you not done it. Yeah. Years ago, we used to have this other peptide available to us in our, in our industry called GHRP two, and mm-hmm. they would combine it with a product called GHRP six. So we made this tri blend with Semiral and GHRP two, GHRP six. It would give you this massive hunger, like you would inject it, and you would feel as if. Literally you could eat every single thing in the refrigerator. It was uh, it was an undeniable, insatiable appetite that Jeff you would get. And you would get sweaty and clammy <laughs> oh, know, and that. you would feel like your blood sugars crash. I mean, <laughs> remarkable amount of, int- of of consumable calories. And it was super yeah. potent right? And anyway, they banned it like years ago for whatever reason. I'm sure it just had to do with the side effects <laughs> of this caused. But anyway, you you would take it <laughs> and you had to eat. Like you just yeah. could not. It you increases your ghrelin, right? Oh my god! Like to a point, it was—you would take it and go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. You know, like one Holy of those. Holy shit! It was remarkable. Wouldn't but, you
1: throw up from that stuff, though? Like um, your stomach so. So, so ghrelin
0: is like that digestive hormone that your stomach produces. Yeah. So yeah, it would stimulate a shit ton of it. So you'd literally fear your stomach. Actually, funny story about it. It was originally invented to give to people who were having extreme constipation, and they would give it to somebody to get their bowels moving so that. All of a sudden, mm. it'll make you want to take a take a shit, you know. So, so then they found out that after going to the bathroom, people were like, "Fuck, I'm hungry." Had munchies, <laughs> yeah, I was hungry. So obviously, concentrating it to a higher higher, and then and then they were realizing that these people were actually getting lean and looking younger, and sleeping better, and they were like, huh. "Okay, there's this correlation between all these things." And that's how the GHRP family was born, and eventually, what well, essentially killed it. But, um, so yeah, so so the ghrelin stimulation makes you super super hungry, and you would eat because of it, where this, the Morlin and the CJC1295 have no impact on your ghrelin response whatsoever. Mm. Um, so you don't feel hungrier because of it. To a point, it actually has a little bit of an appetite suppression effect. Um, if you ask me why, I, I really don't know why, um, but they, are, they do say it does reduce hunger. I take it, I don't feel like I'm any more or less hungry. I just mm. know not to eat after I do it.
1: Yeah, and so, um, shit, I lost where I was. I had another question after that. It'll come back. It probably won't. Um, oh yeah, taking it. Uh, so they suggest you know fasting for two hours before you go to sleep is the typical thing. Try and minimize your sugar intake before you go to time. Um,
0: carbs, I guess, would be the similar sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna eat, like, have like obviously some protein or something with fat in it, which yep. doesn't have such a impact to the degree of you know insulin production. Yeah. I think like any other drug or alcohol really at that once you consume anything you kind of dilute some of the effects i think yep. if you're drunk and you eat a piece of chicken you're going to be a little more sober obviously if you're already, like bag full of chips you get more sober
1: chicken from public yeah yeah exactly so um
0: but it's like anything else i think the more you can kind of avoid bringing something else to your system the more the benefit will be provided yeah i mean honestly for me i take that shot and it's like Within five minutes, I close my eyes. I'm um, lights out.
1: Yeah, I've noticed when I take it, um, it's weird. So I don't have any side effects, but I have like the it's like I don't know if it's a headache, but I'm talking like one percent. It's like it's so minute that I can't tell people if people get flushing a flushing
0: effect. Your, it's probably your ears a flushing get effect, red and, and like, I feel
1: it here. Yeah, but it's not a problem. It's just like it's a it's one of those things where I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I prepare people
0: when we when we put them on it that don't be surprised if like you get a flushing effect or if your ears feel red or hot or you get a little itchy sensation around the side, just because if nobody told you that's a potential, you're gonna be like, oh shit, something's going wrong. (laughs) Yeah, Um, It is quite normal, especially when you first get started and it's just some kind of a reaction that your body produces from it. In time, you do get more used to it or it typically goes completely away. Like I said, if it gets worse progressively and it ends up becoming a problem, you should talk to whoever you're working with and tell them that like, okay, I'm getting, blown out itchy on my side or mm. it's quite mild flush is turning into like a raging migraine headache you may not be you know, right for the product.
1: Yeah so I wanted to share my story actually with CJC 1295 and Iparellin it's a weird one it's an abnormal one but I mean I already was had a good sleep hygiene f- training consistently eating healthy um, super obsessed with living younger longer and all that sort of stuff and when you guys got me onto the CJC with Ipamorellum, Ip- Ip- put on like eight pounds of muscle in the first two weeks um, to the point where, I mean, when I went to Australia, everyone was like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And even Jeff, I didn't see him for like, I think, until I got back from Australia. And he was just like, dude, you put on size. And I was like, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it was Australian chocolates. It was all
1: Australian chocolates. <laughs> all the Australian chocolates. <laughs> but um, no, it was fascinating that, um, yeah, I, uh, I definitely, I I get like a little bit of, not like a headache, it's like 1% of, I'm aware that it's in me, like maybe a little bit flushed or something, but that's the only side effect I've got, but it's like, I'm asleep and then I have the best sleep that I have anyway. I tell people, it's sort of like, imagine when you have sex and you know, when you like sink into the bed after like a good (laughs) sex session. Those are the sleeps that I get all the time, and I don't have to have sex.
0: (laughs) Even better, my wife. Your your wife loves it. Well, now they're eight pounds heavier. Kick your hands off, you. I mean, the thing about like peptides, especially these type, you know, when you're when you're more deficient, which maybe you were, and you Mm -hmm. just didn't realize the impact that they provide is more significant. Typically, they're more subtle. Um, In your case, it's a little bit more dramatic, but. Everybody's experience with them is going to be good for the most part. Obviously, there are people whose expectations are unrealistic. Um, and so that improvement is going to either be dramatically fast, like in your instance, or it's going to be more subtle and slower. Um, but but the great thing about peptides is like, give it a shot. You know, mm-hmm. See if it's something that makes you feel better, makes it perform better. And if it doesn't, like, no harm, no foul. Come off of it. And so what? You wasted a little money and you took shots for a month. It's not like... You're not doing any detriment to your system. You're not gonna have any like long term, you know, repercussion because you tried something. It's kind mm-hmm. of supplement in its own way, like meaning you take a dietary supplement. It doesn't work well for you. Stop it. Life goes on. Um, hormones like testosterone. Some of these things have like consequences to to, to trying them. You know, you can create like this long term dependency. Even if the first time you do it, the first cycle you try it. Uh, peptides don't really work that way. So, you know, if you're on the fence and you're just trying to make yourself kind of just, Hey, fuck it. Let me, let me try something new. Um, Or you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, Hey, I could sleep better. And maybe I could like trim up my waistline. Mm. Improving your growth hormone levels is like the fundamental way of making your body heal better, like perform better, be essentially to some degree younger. And if you think when I was younger, I could eat like shit and lose weight faster. When I was younger, mm-hmm. I could go out drinking and felt great the next day. When I was younger, you know, I could work out and, and, and train the next day and, and be a lot more um, you know, stronger, easier to get back on the workout, then, then improving growth hormone is gonna, gonna do that for you. If you think about like professional athletes, one of the unfair advantages that someone like Roger Clemens, who got caught for taking HGH, it didn't make him throw the ball faster, right? Yeah. Like if I, like I take growth hormone products and I'm not going to all of a sudden hit, be Barry Bonds and like yeah. hit, you know, 70 home runs. But what it does for those guys is it lets them train harder and basically be ready for the game the following day faster than the guy who's not. Yeah. And so in our lives, because we're not professional athletes, the training for that day or that game that we're, you know, theoretically playing is life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm prepared for life the next day better than I would have been had I not done this, then I think I'm I'm a, I'm a step up against my competition, which is everybody yeah. else. Yeah. And I want to be better, right? We want to perform better, we want to look better, we want to make more money, we want to be more successful. Um, and, and that this is the way to kind of give yourself that unfair advantage.
1: Yeah, and that, that was the thing that fascinated me too, because again, I'm not in unless if I'm not someone who's thinking like health wise in the next three months, which I think most people think that way when it comes to health. You know, like the saying I always windows. say, you don't own your health, you rent it daily, that, you know, when I was 20, that's when I started thinking about 30, where yeah. I was like, all right, I need to tighten up my eating. That was That's the most obvious one, tighten it up just a little bit. Drink a I little less, have, maybe. party yeah. a little bit less, well, sleep a little I, bit more. I worked at bars during my early 20s, so I didn't, you can go one of two ways, because I worked and then had to drive home, didn't want to drink and drive. Yeah. So I didn't really drink. Saw the party. drunk assholes
0: all the time. like, I don't that, want to be
1: like this. <laughs> that's the thing when you're yeah. driving home at 4 a.m. and you see some drunk dude in the in the the gutter, you're like, I'm glad that's not me today. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so thankfully, I didn't really develop the socio companion or the connection, I guess, the social companion. Oh, Jesus, connection with drinking and hanging out with friends. Um, so I'm very blessed yeah, for that it shows
0: health and a healthier lifestyle, which is great.
1: Yeah. But, um, you know, what I noticed was I tightened it up thinking each 10 years ahead. So now being 34, I'm like, all right, where do I want? I want people to not be able to guess my age when I'm 40. How do I do that? So I'm thinking like, again, with the, um, human growth hormone peptides, it's not a, all right, I'll do it for like a month and see what happens. Right. It's all right is this something that I can add to my lifestyle that is going to complement me and keep me on my my journey? Just the same as like when people start doing exercise, when they go, oh, how long should I do this for? I'm like, the rest of your fucking life. For
0: sure, yeah. Like, oh, but
1: I don't want to. It's like, well then don't yeah. complain when you're overweight and tired and miserable. Yeah. And so that was the thing that drew me to this peptide because just a quick reminder, guys, if you haven't done the atom test, it's bit.ly forward slash free atom test. It's free, it's 60 seconds. And also 88% accuracy rating to find out if you have low testosterone and what you can do after that. So bit.ly forward slash free Adam test. Let's get back to the show. It was something that I was like, all right, this is something that I have a long-term thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's why I wanted to talk about this when I was like, "Shit, yeah, I want to learn more." <laughs>
0: peptide, this this peptide blend in particular is is essentially the one that I recommend to essentially everyone. Mm. You know, there's really very few people that I'm like, "Oh no, this particular peptide isn't right for you." Yeah, there are other peptides that are, are more right for people. What some examples you think off the top of your head.
1: Just to give some- Well, when their expectations
0: of what they want is different. Um, You know, we have peptides in particular very much geared for weight loss. We have peptides very much geared for actually people who want to put on a substantial amount of mass. mass. We have peptides particular for healing, like you interviewed Jimmy about. Um, This peptide actually touches on all those. It helps you lose a little bit of weight. It can help Mm. you put on some mass. It can help you heal faster. It's not as like specific and targeted. It helps boost your immune system functionality. So those people who I would say this is not right for is somebody who wants- a more direct result that another peptide can help accomplish. Yeah, but if it's just a general sense of like overall well-being and a general fitness, there's no person that I can identify short of somebody who has active cancer or a previous history of cancer because of its cell growth benefit that can unfortunately also grow cancerous cells. We do not work with clients who have active cancer or a previous history of seven years of being of having cancer, but short of those two people there's really no person I would say this isn't the right fit for whatever you're you know sickly person or you super healthy person you're a gym person you don't give a shit about the gym person like why wouldn't you who doesn't want to feel better who doesn't yeah. want to look better if you don't care about your aesthetic and you just want to like wake up in the morning feeling not so much like shit mm. this will help if you're like dialed in and you look like the pinnacle of what you think you can look like, this can get you that extra little edge without maybe having to work as hard. Um, yeah. Male, female, young, old, skinny, fat, everybody yeah. could do it. It's funny
1: because, like, I mean, I guess most people think about this and they think of someone who's aesthetically driven, but the way I found out about this was through a very good friend of mine. I found out about this synthetic um, exo- exogenous version. Exogenous, yeah. getting closer. I found out about that version 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, but dude, you're still the same. And he goes, yeah, well, I don't go to the gym. He goes, I'm not buying it for that. I'm buying it because the way he explained it to me, which got me very interested 10 years ago was, you know that cloud you feel like you have over like in your head, just oh, that, yeah, yeah. like, I don't call it brain fog. So I think that's just bullshit. But he goes, that sort of like, just, ah, uh, I feel like I need that little bit extra. He goes, that thing just went away from me. And he goes, I can just get up. I wake feel up, I go to work and I feel sharp. Yeah. And that was the like, what do you mean? And so, and he goes, yeah, because I don't go to the gym, I'm not going to put on muscle because I need to train that muscle. And if like, it'll help if I'm doing it, and every single time this phone, huh? You guys aren't even opening, you're getting mm. calls. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys, there was a phone call that had to be taken. So that took preference just for a second. But yeah. Um, I don't know where we were, so what we're going to do is just going to wrap this up. <laughs> um, as, I, as I've mentioned to you guys b- before in this podcast, huge advocate of CJC 1295 with Epa You guys have sold me on it, the longevity of it, the feeling I feel from it on just a day-to-day basis. It's not like an acceleration thing. It's more just a good overall feeling. Can't speak any more highly about it. Um, if you want to find out more information, guys, uh, reach out to T Clinics, TclinicsUSA.com. Alex, absolute genius. So, <laughs> all the boys at T Clinics. And if you take it from me, even my friends, like I've got a couple of friends and clients who are also on um, CJC 1295 with Ipamorelin with T Clinics. And they all have been saying the same things about better sleep, feeling better, and just an overall healthier feeling from it. So, Make sure to subscribe to the Man Lab and we'll see you guys soon. Peace.